it's pulling it's my dad. shoulders down. It's giving me really bad posture. It's the dad it's, bod. It's making thing. me do this. We got to work on this dad bod thing. Uh, look, this is high as I can. So what? If you split it, it happens in front of the camera, which means it becomes an historical event, documented for the rest of the world to know about from here on in. You know, the standpoint, the Wikipedia will say he split his elf costume on the Draftsman podcast. This Dan, was split his elf. <laughs> Welcome to Draftsman, the podcast. Ooh. I'm Marshall Vandruff. I teach art and... Stan Prokopenko also teach art. And we're wearing special oh, yeah, it is holiday Christmas outfits. It is, it is the holidays. Would you like to tell us about yours, Stan? This is Elf, the movie, it, sure which you did not ever hear about. I own it. Amazing. I haven't seen it, but I sure look forward One to it. One of the best. Christmas movies. I, I've seen the narwhal sequence several times. Okay, that's true. So you know about it. I know about it. Yeah. Do I get to talk about my costume now? Oh yeah. Wow, you got a you got a dinosaur. Brandon provided this for me. I've got a dinosaur with teeth. I mean, a pretty serious looking predator there, and a shiny. What do they call this thing? Disco ball. Crystal ball. Yeah. Disco. disco ball disco ball yeah crystal. disco ball crystal ball that's great what are we doing for this podcast Dan? marshall every episode we ask people a question at the end of the episode we sure do i've been and there. every time people respond our next episodes are going to be responses to your responses to our questions asking for your response and <laughs> god worded beautifully this episode is going to be devoted to AI, the responses to our questions about the AI episode. And if you're interested in it, maybe you'll like this. If you will. You will love it, this. If you're interested in it, you will love this. If you're not interested in it, let's see. But the two episodes after this, we're going to cover around 10 other topics in each episode and so there's probably going to be something in it that you'll yeah. like all right so you you're going to read these as the the people and i'm going to argue with you but it's meant as a playful arguing we decided that if we make it into a battle this episode will be more fun all right let's oh, do this okay okay all right let's do it <laughs> let's go to episode 12 let's argue <clears throat> mike pelosi Here's a few known things about AI. One, AI and data in general is usually very flawed. Until it's not. Wow. <laughs> Maybe you should look at the camera when you say that. This is to Mike. I'm afraid oh, yeah. you're going to breathe fire on me, man. <laughs> I'm sorry. Until okay. it's not. Okay. Yeah. It's like Jesus. that baby is very ignorant. <laughs> Until it's not. Yeah. Yeah, Mike. Stupid, stupid baby. Man. <laughs> you got yourself in. You want to elaborate? No. Okay. I think I made my point. Two. Most of the AI isn't actually AI. Instead, it's machine learning, which is fundamentally statistics. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Okay. That's true. Three. When AI <laughs> fails, it's considered a tech problem which is dangerous because it removes human accountability and investment. Ooh. You know where he's going with that. Maybe he doesn't go there. Yeah, with it, that people aren't 
they don't take responsibility for their action. They're careless. Yeah. And that's kind of what Elon Musk is worried about. Mm-hmm. Right? He's he's talking about how he's worried about the the careless development of AI and how we don't have regulations on that stuff. He thinks it's like the most dangerous thing right now. And that it should be every government's top priority to make to regulate sure AI development. To regulate. To do it responsibly. Okay. Four, AI can't teach anyone anything. It can simply teach. Learning will not be enhanced by AI. What? I'm not sure I understand that one. <laughs> yeah, I don't get that. In other words, it, it, AI, is, it, 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 it takes a learner. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was a surgeon. A surgeon can do surgery on you without you giving your consent. All they got to do is just anesthetize you and you, they can do it. But with AI, you have to give your consent. It can't just say, now I'm going to turn you into a communist. I don't understand the part, the first part, but then he says learning will not be enhanced by AI. I totally disagree. I think learning will be very enhanced by AI. I, I don't understand that one. Mike, we're going to have to have you on a Skype call and we're going to have to video this, uh, see the fireworks happen. Okay. Okay. Five. We've dumped a ton of money into tech resources in this country to help learning and learning outcomes are flatline, whereas it's never been easier to become a teacher. Well, let's get into the social aspect of it. Skip. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's too deep. It's too thus, much. It's not even AI stuff. It's just tech. Thus, I hope the problem AI solves and what I'm most excited about is the belief that better access to teaching or better access to learning content in general is a small percentage of, quote, learning. Learning as a human is a human process, not something tech can do for us. AI has no fundamental understanding of nuance, how your day was, if you have a learning disorder, etc. But AI is exploitable and can be used for good. Uh-huh. In terms of art, I think AI will do very little at the moment. But when I, what I do think will happen is that because an AI application is approachable, more people will get exposed to art, which is something sorely missing in this society, in our society. I think if people embrace the arts more, our collective humanity and empathy would increase. I also hope AI can help bring people together and be supportive and critical, not total dicks to each other. Cool, I agree. I, I actually really agree that I don't think AI will change art soon. It's gonna take a while. Joe the Wizard, an app that records while you are drawing and teaches you more healthy ways to work like your posture and making sure you do stretching breaks can tell you why your straight lines are curving and how to correct it by telling you how to move your body two things on that one the whole thing about looking at your posture and kind of correcting that there i saw something at the apple store i don't know i was i was just walking through like a month or two ago Mm -hmm. and i saw something about your it's, I don't know, it's, it's the thing you put on your back and it's connected to your phone and it knows when your posture is bad so it like buzzes or something and so you, you, it tells you to correct your posture. I think it exists. So it's like, yeah, it's like a but I don't think it's AI. For, I think it's just a thing that just like... It's a thing that exists. <laughs> it has a sensor and it tells you when you're doing something but I don't think it's AI. I don't think it's learning anything. Of course, you might never get anything done because it's going to buzz all day. You've got to be thinking about your posture. Until your posture's good. Until your posture. Do you think it works? I don't know. I have yeah. no idea. But I'm just saying this thing kind of exists. But it's Thank not you, AI. Joe the Wizard. Well, no. There's the second part. Oh. He's talking about how he wants it to 
tell you why your straight lines are curving and how to correct it by telling you how to move your body. You don't learn how to draw straight lines by something telling you how to move your body. You learn to draw straight lines by drawing straight lines. <laughs> A lot of them. <laughs> Just do it. And then you use your brain to get that feedback. <laughs> Not a machine. I don't think that yeah, this is a good learning application. learning muscle memory. Yeah. I, I think this is actually not a good application of AI. Okay. It's sort of like... It's I, like, make, it's just a thing that will make us more lazy. Lazy Nizumi? That's not AI either. The, what? Lazy Nizumi, it's a Photoshop app. Oh. That it'll, it'll kind of soften your, your curves. It'll straighten out uh, your lines. Yes, I know what you're talking it, about. After each stroke, or even while you're doing the stroke, it analyzes what you're doing, and it takes away all the little... Don't you hate it? No, I... You use I, it? You yeah, like I, it? I use it when I need my lines to be a little bit cleaner yeah, and it, it takes care of it for you. It's like yeah. an auto-tune built into it. Yeah. Yeah. Drawer number one. Read that one. Oh, draw number one. Art is all about people, not sterile, detached correctness, which is what you're proposing, if I understand you. <laughs> You don't understand me. Well, <laughs> that is not what I'm proposing at all. It's like as if someone's teaching you perspective and they're showing you, you know, kind of in a math way, what how perspective works. Mm -hmm. Does that mean that it's sterile correctness, detached correctness, just because it doesn't have the imperfections? No, you have to learn the rules. And just because it's a robot instead of a human, mm -hmm. Or not a robot, but just like a machine or any algorithm, something that's not alive, suggesting you things doesn't mean that you're going to become that thing. It's just teaching you things. Yeah, so robots learn the rules and then you break them. Yeah. Also, if the robot doctor prescribed me vitamin D because I didn't wasn't getting enough on it, I wouldn't say, well, that's a pretty sterile description of what I need <laughs> if I really needed it. I'm not proposing we remove the human element out of art. You made that clear because that's what I was I concerned with. I made it very with. clear. Drawer one, I was on your side. I am against detached sterile correctness, except sometimes. There's, there's more comments that are kind of related to okay, this. So let's we, continue because okay. we, we will touch this again. Johansson 1, as solving problems, perspective drawings, showing you where the gaze line is and vanishing point, also anatomy, it could tell you if you got the proportion right by a certain margin, if it's acceptable, or show you the mannequin as it should be when you copy a photo. It could probably do gesture lines as well. Why? Because you already have an AI doing jazz improvisation pretty damn good. So yeah. it could have a crude sense of taste Future AI, I would love to see more stuff like with Glenn Keane 2D to 3D drawings being able to create a compute cube by drawing the Z-axis and then manipulating it without the need of a three years experience of a 3D software. Something much more intuitive, intuitive also for animation. I want to hear AI jazz. I've heard about it. I've never heard it. So you're going to look it up? Oh, wow. Three hours of jazz by composed by AI. Well, the real thought you love. Charlie, you don't have YouTube Red? Don't complain. Hi, People have to sit through this with the Draftsman <laughs> podcast. <laughs> a taste of our own medicine. The care. Oh. I like that. This is AI jazz. Sounds very 1950s. 
Sounds pretty painful so it far. It sounds random. Well, that's one of the things they started doing. Oh, never mind. This video is he's making the algorithm, and this that was his like first. I'll describe in more detail in a future video. Okay, wait. Let's skip forward. Needs to work. I'm gonna skip a little bit. Yeah. Okay, can I add something in here? It started off promising. There is a Radio Lab episode on music languages that I've listened to a few times, and I think it was in that episode that they gave examples of sampling the way a particular style baroque or classical or, or choral some but they, they gave examples of here's what the computer can do by playing around by understanding it more of in a macro view instead of just the actual sound of the note uh -huh. and it was pretty impressive okay i think this one is a little more legit let's listen to it Okay, it's not bad. It's nice. <laughs> it's great. I mean, wh wh where it's going to go, who knows? Well, I, mean, I know, just this is early. Beginning places. Oh, man. But still, uh, Oscar Peterson and Teddy Wilson and Art Tatum and those great jazz masters, Fats Waller, all them are never going to get old. Because even though they're old recordings, you're going to hear them and you're going to hear the personality come through. That it's it's a, it's. I don't know where this is going to sure. go. It may be that it'll be a starting point for people to put their personality into it. CC Lin one. After an AI teacher analyzes my current performance level, it will recommend a set of exercises to improve performance. Advanced AI recommendations can be suggestions on exercises beyond quote drawing unquote. They may be used. They may be based on the students, aspiring artists, preferred style, genre, color palettes, tonal values, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Something that gives you more broad advice is going to be much more difficult because you're going to have you're going to need a much larger data set. It's difficult to gather this data. But it's possible. And that'd be really cool. I want to make sure I got my head around this. The AI can understand the students preferred style, genre, preferred color palettes, preferred tonal value relationships. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me that you like Baroque. You yeah. like that kind of stuff that was going on in the 20th century. We'll mm -hmm. put some labels on that. And so I'm going to gather more of that and see if you like it. It's yeah. really not that different, is it, from when you shop on Amazon and they right. figure that maybe it's the star you're after. Oh, maybe it's the director you're after. Oh, maybe it's the writer you're after. Maybe it's the, the topic. And they keep trying that until they see which ones you click on and then they say it's not the actor but for them it's really easy to get the data because they have millions 
is it billions maybe of of people constantly buying things Mm -hmm. and that's data they they can use all that data to analyze the general population and then put them into groups and then when someone goes on to buy something any data they have on them they'll be able to put them in the group that they're most like Mm -hmm. and then figure out what they need to be recommended to promote a sale Okay. You know I want, I mean? uh, yeah, yeah, I do. And I, I they, wanna, they can get that data really easily. But how do you get that for with artists who, I mean? Okay, I want to. I, I want to throw something in here. No. Here's one of the things that, when I've gotten compliments as a teacher in a classroom, yeah. from students who have been there the whole semester, they've said that Marshall finds out where you want to go with your style, with your work, yeah, and then gives you resources to get you there. And part of that is that when I see a student doing something or liking something, I'll say, well, have you heard of Edmund Dulac? Or do you know about T.S. Sullivan? And if there are things that nobody has known about, it means that I know in this treasure chest, there's a few other things that you should know about. And so that's what AI could do to bring it closer to personality is to say, I'm sizing up you, or at least I think I am. Yeah. And here's some other things you might like. Now, that's the similarities that you may like because these are your family members. These are people you may be genetically connected to, stylistically, okay? Here's the other thing. You've got a lot of these people who are really clean line style people. All of these are consistent lines. You seem to like that. But it might do you some good to have a dose of some people who are a little sloppy, a little dirtier, a little thicker, thinner with their line, just so that you know that it isn't all what you're doing. And and that can be a counterpoint. So now it's not how things are similar. It's some, you're all tight. Take a look at Van Gogh. Take a look at some expressionists and see if that might make a difference to you. Does this... The look on your face is making me feel like, oh, it just seems very a very specific way of teaching. You mean that that approach to it? Yeah, is? that's like well, maybe that's how you teach, and maybe that's how one someone might want to learn. Mm-hmm. I mean, when it's looking at anatomy, it could say you're trying to do realistic anatomy here, and you're not pulling it off. So we need you to take a good look at Arthur Rackham, and we need you to take a look at these other ones who are anatomy masters. Or it might say, looks to me like you're not trying to do realistic anatomy. You're simplifying that arm. Take a look at Preston Blair. Take a look at these these animators from the 1930s, and look at how they simplify anatomy, but they get the squash and stretch. Again, you're you're looking at where the person's trying to go and saying, let's steer you a little here, let's move you a little here. But on the other hand, are you aware that you're going here? And there's an, uh, other places that you could go. So it broadens you out. That's my motive behind it. My motive is to not get you off your path, but also to give a context of who else has gone on this path and that there are some complete other paths that might be nice for you to know about. So, uh, well, now, now, can ahead. Google do that? A Google uh, yeah, search? But, but here's, what, here's what I feel that like I have to offer is that I want to see if I can figure that out with the student and I've got a lot of resources that can broaden or strengthen uh, the direction. So AI can have practically infinite resources as time goes on. It can have every picture that any human has ever done in there and tell you, here's, this is the case. It's like these DNA tests, right? The DNA tests tell you where you came from and they can even, they can track it back very specifically. But I don't know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I'm only throwing it out because of the issue that I'm seeing here is 
how much of this is personal, how much of it is between teacher and student picking up the emotional cues, responding to you and your needs, how much of it is the machine that's going to do it, and the thing that we are bridging the gap of the two arenas is that the machine can get quite a bit of that. I think it can vary a lot. I think it, there can be applications where it does a little bit and applications where it, it, it's extremely heavy on the lifting and a bunch in between. And you choose the tool you need. Okay. It's just going to be a tool that you can use or not use. Okay. And there will be many people doing it in different ways. One company will provide this, another will do this, and you'll be like, I like that one better. I'm excited about the micro uh, applications of AI that are going to come sooner. Yeah. Well, we, ha we are seeing it with medicine, right? We are seeing that if they, if they sample you, then they can know what you're susceptible to and they can, know, they can design a drug, they can design a nutrient that goes exactly for the thing you need and it's not just the shotgun approach as has been before, now it's specifically. You mean with your DNA? Yes, like, uh, yeah. that's right. They can know exactly how to treat you. It's a, what do they call them, micro, micro uh, I think it has the word micro in it. I'm not sure. But a, a friend of mine who was very involved with the Human Genome, Genome Project was telling me about it. He said, this is where medicine is going. It's going to very specific prescriptions that are designed for your genes. Do you think that art will, would be somehow connected, like an a, art AI tool could be connected to your, to your genes and it could analyze your needs down to the genetic makeup of the artist? I don't have any idea. Sounds weird. It does. That's something that I'm scared of. That's one that of the, sounds that, scary to me. Exactly. That's a, that's the kind of thing that has exciting. happened historically already without the science. An AI that steers you down a specific art path because of <laughs> uh, certain genetic strengths or weaknesses. Yeah, but who? What is it basing it on? Maybe you have shaky hands, so you'll have a hard time getting like a straight line. It's like, maybe you should go into sculpting. Or maybe the shakiness of your hand is a good thing. An expressive line. You could be the next Kokoshka. Who decides? That's why I think AI should be a tool and not something that makes decisions for you. You don't want to give it too much power. Yeah, it's a tool. This is text field who says, if a computer would constantly produce good art, it would devalue the good. No. <laughs> People say this type of stuff, assuming that someone is forcing me to make art. And that if someone else, if like a robot can do it, then I I'm not going to want to do it anymore. It's like, oh, what's the point? A robot could do it. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't need to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, no, I want to do it. I want to make art. And if a robot can talk, if it can speak, does that mean we, there's no value of us talking anymore? If you can put babies together in test tubes, does that mean we should just not make babies naturally? Yeah. yeah. Art is a language. It's a way of communicating. And just because a, a machine can do it doesn't mean that we shouldn't still communicate. We are still different from that specific machine. Just like there's billions of humans, there will be many AI robot things and they're going to be different from me because I will still have something else to say and I'm going to want to say it. I want to create that art and it's still valuable. 
text field? Did to you me. get that? It's valuable to me. Okay. In humans' case, it's the possibility of creating a bad work that makes good art valuable. The good artwork made by an imperfect mechanism, in this case human, is what defines its value, in my opinion. Well, that then we have nothing to worry about. I thought you just said that if, a, if AI could make good art, then it'll devalue it. But then you just said the opposite, that the, all the value of art is the imperfections that we make. So what are you saying? Because you just contradicted yourself. <laughs> Boom. Oh, text field, text field. Oh, man. Proko's winning. Oh, man. <laughs> That's why impressionist works are more interesting than photo filters. That's an unfair comparison. Photo filters are very simple. Also, another thing that makes photo filters less good than real drawings or paintings is that they don't use raw materials. If you take one of my paintings or any, you know, anybody's oil painting and you take each brush stroke and you simplify that stroke into like a, a flat cutout, mm -hmm. it'll make that painting look more boring because it doesn't have that rawness of the materials. Okay. Now imagine if that photo filter would, first of all, it would get smarter. It wouldn't just be a filter on top. It would be able to actually re reproduce art for a reason. And then it was connected to an actual robot that could hold a brush, dip it into paint, and make those marks. Then you would not be able to tell if it was a human or a machine that made that. You just wouldn't be able to. And it would be just as interesting because the rawness of it would ha give you that same effect as if a human did it. I understand what you're saying, but my heart is leaning toward text field. What's, what do you mean? I mean, the, the person who wrote this. Uh, yeah, why? Is it because sure, that is, that's technically, it is actually painting it, but all we're talking about here is technique. We're not talking about choices. We're not talking about why you did it. We kind of are. Yeah, the photo filter, yeah, you need to filter something that's already there. But you can have the why. With a more advanced yeah, AI, more advanced you can AI. have okay. the why in it. Okay. And it can solve some problems. Okay, what do we do next? Do I keep Go, reading? Oh, keep, I never finished I never finished text field. That's why impressionist works are more interesting than photo filters or a sculptor versus a 3D printed sculpture. We like imperfections more than the credit we give it because it's these limitations that guide us to discover something unexpected. Mm-hmm. I agree with him about the imperfections. I really like imperfections. Um, Fashion is one of my favorite painters, and he, he's all about that raw, like, yeah. that texture of the canvas and the broken brush stroke, and it's not perfect. I could feel the human. I'd, I'd <laughs> I, move, I'd, I I'd love move the, that. I'd move the words away, though, from perfect to it's not slick clean it's dirty yeah yeah it's dirty, it's dirty and it's dirty in an expressive way yeah yeah sure yeah um, the, the reason why is that I, some of fetchin did one piece in particular that i love it is one? perfect it's messy <laughs> okay. but it is unbelievably which one is it it's uh i i I don't know the title of it. It's got one girl's face in the middle, right, maybe in the middle to the right. Is it a painting? Yeah, it's a painting, and she's got this face with such intensity in the face. Is it a young girl? Uh, yeah, uh, she looks like she might be Native American. Well, we'll definitely show. We'll it find on it. Screen. Yeah, we'll find it, and 
But that to me is one of the most breathtaking, awe-inspiring pictures on the micro level from her face up to the macro level of the whole piece. Okay, well, uh, discovering something unexpected. Mm-hmm. He said, he said, because it's these limitations that guide us to discover something unexpected. Yes. Okay. I think AI can help us discover things that are unexpected. Yeah. Have you heard of Google's DeepMind? It's an AI that it, it plays StarCraft. It's a, it's a video game that people get really into. There's professional players. They mm. have tournaments. There's huge sums of money that people win in these tournaments. No, I know it's nothing a, about it's it. It's a huge industry. It's called yeah, a real-time strategy game. Okay. So, Google built an AI that mm. learned how to play this game. Yeah. And it's a complex game. Okay. This is not like an arcade game. This is like war there's multiple players there's like all these tools you can use and you build stuff and you fight and you use these different weapons and spells and and there's strategies of war in this mm -hmm. right and there's multiple team right there's like a lot of teams all at once and you and you walk around a 3d world so they have to yeah it, it's complex yeah, it's very I get the different idea. players in different quadrants of the map like yeah apart from each other that have to build up their troops and like mine resources and then clash together on the map but this is the perfect application for ai to step in because it's complex and it's got to figure so what exactly happened? so they all they told it they didn't give it any strategies all they told it was the rules of the game mm -hmm. and the objective Mm -hmm. And it played like millions of times. It got good. Then it played itself. Mm -hmm. And it keeps playing itself, getting better and better and better. Whoa. And it can play as many games as a human. Or it can play like you know, a, a thousand times more games than a human can in a single day. Yeah. Because it's got these super powerful servos that are playing thousands of games at the same time. And so it's learning way faster. Okay, you know where... I'm, no you know human where the, can beat it now. No it's human can beat it It's way better than any human. But these top players that are playing these tournaments, they use it. The, they play the computer to learn strategies. They improve themselves by playing Because it's mind. better than me, so I've got... And it's I'm better up than any the, of my opponents. Oh, yeah. the, in, in American uh, folklore, there were stories about Paul Bunyan, who was the biggest, strongest, but when he goes up against the machine, the machine wins. Future Marshall correction, John Henry, not Paul Bunyan, was the steel driving man. It was a kind of uh, mythology to show, look, we, we adopt the machine. The machine will work for us. Okay. And so that's what it sounds like. And one way it can work for us in this instance is to make me stronger. Yeah. If I can hold back a Ford, if Hopefully I can pull a Hopefully we don't train, have to compete. Yeah. We can learn. And this is, remember, I forgot who it was that said that it will not enhance learning. Mm -hmm. Well, here's an instance where it is enhancing learning. Yeah. There were things that all these top players were doing, strategies that were all kind of known as like, these are the best strategies. Everyone mm -hmm. does this because it gives you a leg up. And the, the AI wasn't doing those things. It was doing completely different things. It Other strategies that were wow. better. And they go completely against what you would think would be actually a better strategy. And then wow. when humans adopted those approaches, it was like, oh yeah, that is better. Okay, I, I'm seeing it, yeah. In other words, we were going down this path that we thought was the best one, and it says, look over here, look over here. I got a million other ways you can do it. Yeah, because it can fail so much faster than us. What a trip. It's crazy, right? Okay. If learning's all about failing, who fails faster? Stout One says, I'm wondering how these AI apps would analyze different aesthetics and various drawing styles. Would it consider Bridgman's anatomy drawings as flawed, since they have pretty strong and exaggerated forms? What is the purpose of this AI that we just created? 
just to see how somebody else has done it, see how Bridgman has done it, not yeah, be critical like, of it. But. He's, he's asking this very general question, would be like, would it think Bridgman is flawed? I don't know, like which... Yeah, it depends on the criteria. Yeah, it depends on what app you're using. Like, what is... How was this thing trained? thinking that there's like one AI that yeah. judges everything. It's like there's a magic by button. one standard. There's a magic button that's like, create an AI app that judges style. Like, no, the, it, humans make these apps. We determine how they work, right? It, it's not... There's no magic buttons. Also, why would you want an app that judges if styles are flawed or not flawed? What is this app that he's speaking yeah, of? That's, what, yeah. Would anyone even make that My app? app told me that your style is flawed. Yeah, that's what we're <laughs> what looking for. Mean, so tell flawed. me whether I'm okay or not. Well, I, th okay. I think what Stout One is doing is doing the same thing we're doing. What's that? Which is to stab around and try to wonder, throw yeah. out a question and, and see. It's just, it's, right. we, we don't know what we're doing. We're just talking about something and that's, getting our head around it. That's true. But you now now you have to think about this in a little bit more uh, informed way. Boy, I am curious though. Fifty years from now, I am so curious what the ultimate AIs would do with this podcast. Whether they would trash it or whether they would say, "Look, they had two little glimmers of things that were so disassociated from their main train of thought." Yeah, we're too many versions away. Yeah. from the one that's going to be amazing. Like when the telephone was invented, would you know that it was going to be this? This no, iPhone that I'm holding? Is this the the yeah. logical conclusion to right. the one that made a huge difference? There was there was somebody somebody posted something this week on Facebook of someone who knew exactly where the phone was going. Really? It, now it might have been fake. I didn't pursue it. But something, yeah, at the at the beginnings, it was it was early in the 20th century, oh, wow. saying here's where That's... it's going to go. Is that people are going to have phones with them all the time, and they'll even be able to see pictures? But of course, Dick Tracy, oh, you know, way back when was showing it. And the the interesting thing is that guess some guesses are good, and some guesses are good. 2001: yeah. A Space Odyssey, with when Kubrick collaborated with Arthur Arthur C. Clarke on that. They were doing their best to make it hard science fiction, to be as accurate as they could. And w the interesting thing to me is that they way overshot their optimism for space travel. Well, you know, we'll all be traveling around to different planets uh, in manned vessels. And they way undershot what we're doing with our phones and our computers. They've got people that have got suitcases, attache cases, you know, and mm -hmm. putting coins into a big <laughs> monitor so that you can talk from space to your family. Yeah. So they, the idea of being way too optimistic and being way too pessimistic about where it was going, yeah. but you can't, that's just it, you can't know. At least they did take a stab at it yeah. so that you're imagining and then someone actually makes it happen. Clouds of Sunset writes, I said this to my friends when the theme about AI and art was on the table for discussion. No matter how good AI gets that even invent new movements, AI will never create masterpieces like This Is Not a Pipe or Guernica because This Is Not a Pipe hits directly into the philosophical aspect of art and image. And the Guernica was painted in an era of war where a tragedy occurred and such raw feelings cannot ever be recreated by a robot. So again, a robot might teach you how to recreate hyperrealism like a printer, but not to make art. Clouds of Sunset has spoken. Mm -hmm. You now have your opportunity. Well, about the whole thing of the why and how like it can't create 
a story of meaning or anything like that, I think it can do better than us. Like Guernica, it was about, you know, the feeling of, of the war and, and the injustice. He was there during that time period and he could feel it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he created this art out of emotion. But now imagine an AI that could be fed millions of hours of footage from the battlegrounds of reporters who filmed actual real war. All that collective data is now much more knowledgeable about war than Picasso. Mm -hmm. And it could create something that humans can perceive as meaningful. Even though that AI didn't maybe have an emotional reaction to all this stuff, Mm -hmm. it could combine it in ways that the viewer of that painting could have an emotional reaction to. Mm-hmm. I see that. Yeah, and, and this may be an aside, but it's, it's going to take me a, a couple minutes. We're talking here about drawing and painting. Yeah. And, and also not just emotional reactions, but meaning. That there's that this is coming from a point of view. Yeah. And nowhere is that more obvious than in storytelling because every story has meaning. It can hardly be a story if it doesn't have meaning and you say, what is the meaning? Is the meaning a moral? Is the meaning a, a uh, some, something you add to it? Uh, a, a, uh, some people uh, falsely call this a premise like uh, perfect selfishness, uh, complete selfishness leads to destruction. Well, it could be, but the meaning of every story is where the story ends. It's what happens at the ending to bring all of this stuff together and tells you that justice triumphs Justice gets in the way. Justice kind of triumphs, but it doesn't completely triumph. Uh, the meaning comes out of where the storyteller says, here's where I'm going to culminate the events. And that comes from a point of view. Now, here's why I needed a little extra time. You can boil down story structures to just a few. In fact, you could kind of boil down all story structures to a couple. And they would almost be Eastern and Western philosophy. The cycle, uh, you get it in the book of Ecclesiastes, you get it in Eastern teaching that it's a cycle. Everything goes over and over with a cycle. And the other is more Western, it's more Christian. It is the build up to a peak and then the end is the division of, of the good and bad. Now that's an oversimplification, but it's a useful simplification because right there you've done something that AI could do. It's say, I'm aware of these two big story structures. I'm aware of all of these variations on it. And as I'm telling this story, I sense that this is a kid who needs some encouragement. I sense the kid is getting a little cocky. And so I think I'm going to pull from this and I'm going to pull from this and I'm going to contrive some events so that when I come to the end of this story, I'm going to give this person the dose of a medicine emotionally and, and meaningfully for what they need in their life. So I, again, I, I'm, I guess what I'm saying is I'm starting to get a vision of how AI gets beyond just the technical stuff and that it's really complex. Mm-hmm. But that's the whole thing is we're speculating about where the complexity can go. The AI could be a doctor that picks up your emotions. They say that dogs know when you're going to get sick. Oh, gosh, lots of stories about that. And that it's like, how do they know? Is it something invisible and spiritual or can they smell 
because their smell is so sensitive. They can smell that you're secreting hormones and so they know what's going on. How do you know that AI couldn't get to the level to where it is like a dog and that it just picks up what's going on with you and says, here's what you need? Some of this that we're talking about right now isn't something that one specific person needs. We're talking about AI being an artist and creating art mm -hmm. and having meaning behind that art. And you mentioned a purpose. Is yes, that, or they're, a, um, they're, they're, uh, art that makes a big difference in culture and, uh, and any difference in anybody's life is art that you there's something in me as an artist that wants to show how horrible the world, how, how glorious it is, how funny it is. And so I conjure up this energy that's going to show you how horrible or glorious or funny it is. Oh, you were, you were talking about a point of view. Yes, a point, as of, a point view. of view. Yes. Okay. Well, is your point of view on something really that unique? Or do you share a point of view with thousands or millions of people in the world? Probably, right? Like you probably yes. share the same point of view. Not the same as, you know, not all your point of views are the same as one specific person, but any specific point of view is shared by other people. Yeah. And an AI can be connected to social media and it could learn the point of view of everybody on a specific topic gathers a lot of details about that point of view and create something. Mm -hmm. Now, okay. there's a point of view. Okay. Now I'm trying to look at this, pull the camera up, see how this all fits together the mm -hmm. best I can. And what I'm seeing is that if the AI is able to create better art, because it has more insight into the human condition and knows everybody's needs more than any specific person, then it becomes the ultimate idol. It becomes the ultimate, uh, Th this it doesn't is the have thing to that, be, but it, it could just pick us a very small point of view and create something from that, yeah. or it could pick the most broad point of view and create something from that. Yeah. Again, we're, it's we're, a tool. We're pulling the camera up and we're saying, yeah. all right, all the answers it are could in the be, computer. But yes, it yeah. could be, uh, hey, I am the human. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it also depends on how much you yeah. value the artist's intended meaning behind a piece versus like the meaning that any person who sees it is going to bring to it and pull from it. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking for some reason my head is just going toward uh, classical music. Um, that you've got three or, or, or four basic uh, famous Baroque composers, Bach, Handel, Vivaldi. And to a person who's not initiated into them, you can tell they sound like they clump together. But you can, Bach and Handel, people are more likely to confuse. People know Vivaldi right away. Now, there were a lot more Baroque composers. And if you listen to them, they'd sound a lot like those one of those three. But those three rose to prominence. And then okay. with classical, it's basically Mozart and Haydn. There were others besides them, but those ones, they, they just dominate. That's where you headed with that. Um, here's okay. the thing I'm headed, is that the style and the way these, you, they all kind of belong together. That's the universal part that you were saying. Everybody feels, everybody likes Baroque music. Everybody well, likes no, Baroque. I say that. But, but most people do. Most people, when they first hear it, they hear Vivaldi and they, they, they like it very quickly. It's, it's accessible, as they say. But then what is it that makes Vivaldi better than everyone else who would be composing like Vivaldi? Do you get the idea? There are some people who are going to do it better. So we're still getting this thing with AI. Is it going to be better than all other humans? Will we tell humans, just do it for the fun, but don't show it to an audience because the AI is much better. AI is the ultimate experience in a movie going 
uh, no, no. listening thing. And all you humans, you can go ahead and do it, but you don't need to do it. <laughs> yeah. We're, we've got the best stuff because the computer does it better than anyone else. I don't know. Well, our job here, I guess, since I can't figure out what our job is here on the Draftsman Podcast, maybe it's just to wonder. Yeah, maybe. maybe. it's just to say, what do you think? Who, what could happen? Wouldn't it be funny to listen to this podcast 50 years from now and go, <laughs> oh, they had no idea. <laughs> That'd be great. It's another thing that they could say 50 years from now is that listen to how boring humans were back in 2019. They didn't have any idea what no they wanted thought. to listen to. Yeah. All over the place. Boy, the computer would have fixed that. Liam Lockhart Art says, the AI you're talking about that would be able to teach by saying like, your proportions are wrong, sounds to me like its usefulness is limited to only realism, and then the one that rates artist one to 10 is very obviously going to be biased by the people who program it, which is another issue in itself. For example, face recognition software tends to identify different Asian people as the same person because the software was developed by white men who didn't put effort into making sure it would work for anyone who isn't white. AI is just as biased as the people who program it. Until it's not. The ones he talk, he's talking about, those were just like the first versions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these white men were creating this and they didn't know if it was going to work. They had to use themselves and whatever it, it right. could be you, improved you design your car for the people of your family and the yeah. people you know and then it yeah. becomes more widespread right i'm sure the ai being developed in china is more biased towards asian towards asian men or mm -hmm. women it, it, like sure there's going to be flaws until in version one aren't. until there are not yeah. until version 20 and yeah. it's work it works for everybody also it doesn't have to be biased even from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be trained by the creator. AI can be trained by the general population. Mm -hmm. That's how Amazon's AI works. It's not trained by the engineer who wrote the software. It's trained by all the data of the customers. So if you're building a city in a desert, you build a city in a desert, not in the tropics. You don't say, well, I've got to take into account the tropics because they exist until they do exist until you're aware of them and now we've got to ad adapt it. But that's, that's what happens with growth. Yeah. That's one of the things that I like about you is that you take the attitude that it, it isn't ready now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then people say, oh, that doesn't work. Which is the easiest thing in the world <laughs> okay, to do. Okay, let's stop then. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he brings up my, uh, the rating app. That was my very first experiment. It's like, of course I use my own opinions. I was just experimenting. We even said in the episode, this is my biased opinion. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said it myself. This is my own biased opinion because I knew that this was a flaw of it. But, and he's right that it is going to be biased towards me. But then the next version could be uh, opinions of everybody online. Mm -hmm. And it could be created from that. But it's good to bring these things up. So thank you, Liam. Yes, Liam Lockhart, Art. Thank you. So, okay, we got the last one by JB Comics One. Everyone J has a one at the end. Yeah, it's probably because oh, there's... Oh, no. <laughs> no, no. Oh, one minute ago, one, one month, month ago. ago. All, they all say one month ago, and we've been reading the one <laughs> at the end of every username. Illustration. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> because we just copy and paste them from YouTube, and they all, the, the username and the time code just get clumped together. That's uh, so funny. We, we are such 
But it removes the space between the timestamp and the username. So the one is directly, it's like embedded into the... It was also innocence. Forgive us, JB Comics. One. JB Comics (laughs) says, meh, who wants to learn how to draw like a robot? Part of the charm of a painting is all of the idiosyncratic quirks unique to that particular artist's style. Yeah. If we don't need uh, AI to teach you because the thing that will make your work interesting is your quirks then why do you need any teacher to teach you? Yeah. Because you're... Because it's just you should just teach yourself. It's your quirks. You don't need feedback from some other human that's going to have a different point of view and water down all this uniqueness (laughs) that is you. And learning from the machine or even from another human isn't going to remove the idiosyncratic quirks that you have. Right. You're going to learn these things from them, digest it, make it your own, and spit it out in your own voice. Yeah. That's many analogies put into one that it didn't was, work. but it, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I can root You're gonna for all of them. You're going to spit this food out into your voice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen <laughs> to this food. We yeah. have read all and we have responded, or you have responded. Oh, to, my head hurts. I know. Marshall, now, okay, I'm that's s- why I want to take a few minutes to wrap up this oh. episode with conversation with you about how I feel like this episode. <laughs> really needed something. I don't know what it did. What it, I don't know whether it was of any use to people who are watching. I The only things I can get out of it are the world is radically changing. It's changing faster than ever yeah. and that we don't know how it's changing. And so we're looking at it and kind of trying to catch little glimmers of people who are saying, look, the the boat is coming. Oh, maybe it's not a boat. No, it's a, it's a mirage. No, I think it's a big battleship. No, I think it's a whole bunch of different boats. Nobody knows until it gets closer. And then the other thing that's more important is so what? How does this so relate? What? Uh, AI is coming. AI yeah. is here. So what? How does it relate to a person who wants to be a competent artist it will affect their training. We dealt with that back in the episode that we originally did. It will help you at least with technical stuff. And if you stick around long enough, it may evolve to the point it can help you like a wonderful friend and mentor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there any takeaway from this for this Proco 2.0 and there's the AI that you're doing that you're asking people to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) updates updates okay there are updates on that okay i did some beta testing oh not something you want to go public with not yet okay until until you do until i do that's right elon musk says that eventually we're going to have we're going to have to have a what is it called a base income a general base income Mm mm-hmm where people are just paid an income for not doing anything mm-hmm. because... Yeah, a UBI, a universal basic income. A basic income, yeah. Um, and he says that it's not something he wants, it's just something he, he sees as like inevitable mm-hmm. because every year there's gonna be more and more things that AI can do better than humans. Okay. And it's just gonna keep going that into that direction and then exponentially to where it's like there's almost nothing left that AI can't do better than a human. And then what do we do? Just the things we want to do. 
So you could never compete in a competitive environment where I could, oh, I can yeah, do it. You can never you can't compete. compete. And so then you just have, everyone just gets income. They don't have to earn money. They just do what they enjoy. And, you know, AI kind of runs yeah. everything that we don't want to do. That's, that's a, it's an interesting insight. It's sort of like... It if, sounds if, like a nice world to live in. It, it's that if the whole world's going to be covered with water, everybody does need a boat. Yes. It, it's just got to be a big enough boat for you to survive. And, and then we'll go from there. Mm-hmm. You can't compete in a world where AI can do a lot of these jobs better. And AI uh, coupled with robotics, mm-hmm. assuming. Probably, yeah. Because of AI is... is you know, I mean, it's if it's going to do gonna things to... humans do, a lot of that is going to be physical. Right, right. Yeah, that's why. So. That's why it's got to be coupled with robotics. Yeah. And then we'll see what we can do with our time. That's, yeah. that's it, the new thing to it's do. A to- it's a very complicated idea to think about. Like, what about this? And what about this? And you know, all these think parts of our lives, how is it going to affect all these different things? And I think that's uh, something we shouldn't talk about right now. It's a no. deep rabbit hole. I don't know if we want to get into that. Here's where I go after the, okay, awe and wonder, speculation of what there can be, and then how does it help you with your art education? The next thing I'm inclined to bring up is that part of why science fiction evolved in the first place. Eric Rabkin has a course on fantasy and science fiction that I've gone through many times. I got to have him co-host classes with me. He's just, he, I thought he, you said you got him into coke. <laughs> got him. No, I couldn't. He was too old. He's already had his habits established. Uh, He thinks that science fiction is the most important genre. That's the first question I asked him in front of my students is, you say that science fiction is the most important genre. Can you tell us why? He said science fiction is the most important genre right now by far. There's no more important. There's nothing that even comes close. And... I won't take the time to develop the entire train of thought, but he compares it to the American Western and how the American Western evolved and why the American Western evolved and why the American Western is uniquely American, even though it has been adapted by others, it is still, it was born out of a set of circumstances that the tropes of American Westerns needed to adopt and evolve. And because technology has changed our lives so radically, beginning with the railroad, the railroad was technology. It means that now instead of traveling on horses where every village could have their own time zone, you had to have the time zones allotted because we can now move physically faster than we ever could. And so we've got to say the hours will change by these zones. That was a change in the way we live that was dictated by new technology. When you compare what happened with the railroads to what happened with radio and with television and with the internet and now with AI, the escalation of the way our lives are changing in response to technology means that more than ever, we need stories to give us meaning to it a great deal of which is pessimistic. Mm-hmm. A great deal of which is, here's what could go wrong, here's what could go wrong, here's what could go here. I mean, we got uh, one after another that is the paranoid awareness that we're in real danger with this technology. We could blow ourselves up, we could, we could have relinquish all control and someone could, could use it. So there's one thing, is that there's a great deal of fearful science fiction. The other is like what 2001 was an attempt to do, 
is to say what are some of the possibilities of this? What are some of the discoveries that could be made? But now more than ever, the stories that are told and all the other genres are important, but this is the one that we're on this cusp that even just doing this podcast, we're, we're sitting here in a room and what we do goes out to all sorts of people and then you times that by a million with what everybody's looking at on the news, how they're interpreting the news. We're just in an unbelievable time. Therefore, stories about it mm-hmm. are the things that steer it that Another make a big difference. Another reason why science fiction is so important is because it does the, the imagining of what possible things can go wrong for the politicians and the people who actually need to prepare for the future because yeah. prepare preparation for the future is better done earlier when, when the politicians I mean people that in power watch this stuff it's like oh that could actually happen mm-hmm. and it kind of gets makes these things more real mm-hmm. makes them part of our culture and it makes make, them tan- people think about when it. When you say more real, it makes them tangible. It turns yes. them into nouns and verbs. It turns them into something you can put in front of a camera and tell a story about. Yeah. So, because we've been stabbing around a lot at ideas and abstract things and philosophical and maybe this way and a bit of the conversation in this con- uh, in this podcast has been like wandering around in a fog saying, I, I think you know, there's definitely something here. I feel it. Uh, no, I'm hearing something over here, but it doesn't crystallize. A good science fiction story, the job of the science fiction writer is to crystallize it, present it to you. A lot of science fiction is social science. I mean, Hunger Games is social science. There's an entire, uh, Pamela Bador did a, a great courses on utopian and dystopian fiction that I poured into really, really exciting. I mean, it got me reading. I might've mentioned it before. Um, But how much of science fiction, utopian and utopian and dystopian science fiction is mainly not about technology. It's about social science. It's about how we arrange our, our lives. And so they give insight that should, yeah, you wish, you wish that power makers would pay more attention. Cool. Are we done? I think we are. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for sitting through it if you did. And come back next week where we will have the beginning of our finale. It'll be a two-parter. Yeah. We're going to continue going through all the episodes, responses, and we're going to go through all 20, 22 of the remaining episodes. Okay. Well, we did it. We covered the AI, maybe more than it needed. Maybe. Maybe less for some people. Okay, thanks.